Hi everyone, for today's sharing, I just wanted to share from Matthew 18, which was the devotion time for Monday. It's the story of the parable of the unmerciful servant. It opens in verse 21 with Peter coming up to Jesus, asking, how many times do I have to forgive my brother for sinning against me? Well, the Jewish law actually says you can forgive up to three times, but Peter himself, he offers up seven times, and that's pretty good. Imagine someone sins against you, even doing something minor, like leaving their dirty socks on the floor near your bed. You forgive once, twice, by the third time, you're starting to get really upset. Seven times? That's a lot. What is Jesus' reply? He says, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. In other translations, this can also be shown as seventy times seven. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't count. You need to keep on forgiving again and again. How can anyone do that? Well, Jesus then goes on to tell this story. I actually want to start with the second half of the story where we see the main character, a servant of the king, finding one of his fellow servants who owes him 100 denarii. Now that's quite a bit of money. A denarius is one day's wages, and so it'd be the equivalent of $10,000 today. You know, I'd want that back. And so he confronts him, the other servant falls to his knees, begs him, says, give me more time, I'll pay you back. But he refuses. He goes and puts him in prison until he can pay the debt. And looking at that picture, well, that makes sense. He owes him a lot of money. He should pay him back. But since he can't, he should just get what he deserves. I think in many ways that's how we live our life. If someone wrongs us, that's a big debt that has to be paid. They need to pay us back, or at least get punished for what they've done. So we lash out in anger, we demand them make up for what they've done, we hold ledgers in our heart, keeping track of how many times they've wronged us, or we even hold grudges, allowing our heart to grow cold. And we feel completely justified. After all, they hurt us. That can't just be, quote, let go. And yet, what is the response of those who see all this happening? It says in verse 31 that they were greatly distressed. And the master has harsh words for this guy. He says, you wicked servant. Why? I mean, didn't he do what was just? Wasn't it his right to demand that the other guy pay him back? Isn't it our right to demand of others to pay us back? To make sure they don't hurt us again and that they would know what they've done. And the answer that Jesus gives in this story is no, it is not right. In fact, it's wicked. Why? because of the debt that this servant and we have been forgiven of. Right before the servant encounters his fellow servant, what did he experience? It says that the king called him in to settle his debts. It turned out that he owed the king 10,000 talents. That's an astronomical amount. So some quick math here. One talent is 6,000 denarii, or 6,000 days wages for a standard worker. 10,000 talents is 165,000 years of wages, equivalent to $5 billion today. There's no way that this guy is ever going to pay this back. doesn't matter how long he lives, how many jobs he has, it's impossible. And so the king orders that he be sold, along with his wife and kids, all that he has in order to pay it back. That's what he deserves. But then the servant pleads. And out of pity, out of his own pity, the master releases him, forgave him the debt, all of it. And that debt, 10,000 talents versus 100 denarii, it's not even close. Having received such forgiveness, he should have been able to forgive his fellow servant. That's why in verse 32, the king has this to say to him. He says, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Should you not have had mercy? Yes, this other guy owes you money. Yes, it's not a trivial amount. I know that. But shouldn't you have forgiven him? given all that I forgave you. I think that's the same question God asks of us. Yes, people owe you. People hurt you. People wrong you. We hurt each other. But what else is true? That you have received an immense amount of mercy and grace. 
Jesus says that the debt that we owe to God is like this 10,000 talent debt. God created us to follow him, and yet what have we done? We've rebelled against him. We've lived according to our own ways, full of anger, envy, selfishness, evil thoughts, sexual immorality. Just one look at our heart and we know that we've done wrong. We deserve judgment to be condemned and die. Yet he forgave us our debts. He cleansed us through his death on the cross, not just once, but every single day. And when we appreciate that, when we understand that this is what we've received, how can we not forgive? And God says to not forgive, that's wicked. It's not acknowledging what you have already been given. You know, I don't have that much time now to explore this, but how could this servant so quickly turn around from having received this immense forgiveness and then make such demands of another? You see a hint of it in him telling the master, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. He thought he could pay it back. He didn't understand the impossibility of the debt that he owed, and he overestimated his ability to pay. You know, when we have a hard time forgiving others, and I think many ways it's because of this, we don't understand how much we've been forgiven of. We don't realize how wretched of a sinner we are, and we overestimate our, quote, goodness. And so we don't understand the amazing truth of what God has forgiven us of. Having been a recipient of God's love, it should transform us. And so here I wanted to share a story from Michael Wilkins. He's a writer of the NIV application commentary for the book of Matthew. And this is what he shares as he reflected on this passage. Quote, A few years ago, when bumper stickers were popular, one stood out to me. I don't get mad, I get even. It was meant to be humorous, but it had a chilling effect on me because it described my attitude just a few years prior. I've mentioned elsewhere that I was raised by a stepfather who caused my family and me a great deal of pain. He left our family when I was in my early teens and I carried a deep animosity toward him for years. When I was in Vietnam, my animosity became almost obsessive and I vowed that the first time I saw him on my return, I would kill him. I would make him pay for what he had done to our family. And so I returned a few months later, and within a year, became Christian. Our world began to change, and put that stepfather out of my mind. I had not thought about him much until four years later, when he suddenly showed up where my wife and I and our little girl were living. He had tracked us down. My wife, being the loving person she is, invited him in. We sat and talked politely, and then that vow came to my mind. I then told him, I made a vow in Vietnam that the first time I saw you, I would kill you, and today is that day. I'll never forget the look of terror that came over his face. He started to sweat and slide down the couch. I went on, but I know now that I'm no better a person than you. God has forgiven me. And if he can forgive a sinner like me, I can forgive you. I will not allow you to hurt my family again. So don't think that this is made out of weakness. Rather, I forgive you because I have been forgiven. I probably was as shocked as he was I had not thought about saying those words of forgiveness, but they came easily. I was deeply aware of the mercy and forgiveness that God had extended to me. I knew my sin better than anyone. I may, have been, I may not have been as abusive as my former stepfather. I may not have hurt people in the same way he had hurt our family, but I had also abused and hurt people in my own self-seeking way. And when I came to that awareness, I knew that I needed mercy and forgiveness. And in receiving the gift of life that Jesus extended to me through his work on the cross, extending mercy and forgiveness to my former stepfather was a natural response. My vow had been the rash, irresponsible reaction of a deeply hurt, bitter young sinner. However, my ability to later to forgive came from the eternal, 
loving act of grace in Jesus' sacrifice for my sin. I discovered that the key to forgiveness is to stop focusing on what others have done to us and focus instead on what Jesus has done for us." End quote. But that's a really powerful pass- a passage because this is the power of receiving God's forgiveness and seeing how much I've forgiven, been forgiven. It allows me to start to forgive others, even the deepest hurts. And like he says, the key to forgiveness is to stop focusing on what others have done and focus on what Jesus has done for us. And so each time we get hurt, oh man, we feel like lashing back. We want to add to that record of wrongs. But in that moment, take it as a chance to remember Jesus. Remember your debt, who you are, how you hurt God and others, and yet how gracious Jesus was to you to die on the cross. And you will find that you have the strength to be able to forgive, allowing people out of the prison of your heart and being able to experience life, freedom, and reconciliation. So that's my prayer for all of us today. That's it. We'll see you guys later. Bye.